When was the last time you added a bitterness block to your wall? What is a bitterness block? Well, a bitterness block is made from three R's, resentment, righteous anger, and retaliation. The resentment you cling to with white knuckles and the righteous anger you feel is 110% justified. And the retaliation you're hoping will happen. And if we're honest, you want to be there to see it. These bitterness blocks can become a wall around your heart. And here's the problem. They end up blocking the work of the Holy Spirit. Today, I'm sharing my story of how God chipped away at my wall, opened up my heart, and turned those bitterness blocks into a bridge of relinquishment releasing my grip on those three R's and being a connection to God instead of a barrier. Transitions are exhausting. So many things change, you end up feeling lost. You can find yourself questioning your relevance and even your worth. Whether you're gaining a new surname or going to a new situation, there are two things I want you to know. First, your roles in life will change, but your purpose is eternal. Second, God has a plan for your life, and the enemy has a plot against that plan. I'm Sherry Fletcher, and this is Your Spiritual Game Plan, the podcast for those in a season of transition. And I'm so glad you're here. Stick around and let's work on a spiritual game plan together. Hi, I'm Sherry Fletcher, the host of Your Spiritual Game Plan, and I'm going to be going solo today. So I'm going to share a little bit about myself and why I am so passionate about helping you develop your own spiritual game plan. I love to share the message of just how intentionally you were made to be a part of God's plan. But I also want to help you understand that the enemy is just as intentional with the plot against that plan. That's why I love to write and speak and also bring on guests to this show to help you develop your own spiritual game plan so that you can live out the calling that you were created for. My husband and I are empty nesters and we recently moved to Tennessee. We have three grown children and I have a dog named Libby. And I just love being active and outdoors. I love walking and hiking with friends, but I love hosting people. Uh, an empty house is just not fun for me. So I'm known for inviting you over for coffee anytime, no matter what state my kitchen is in. I had no idea why my pastor wanted to see me. She told me she had a question, but wanted to talk to me in person. She and I were, and we still are, good friends. So when I walked into her office, I could tell she was nervous. 
and her long pause made me anxious. Finally, letting out a long breath, she said, I have felt impressed by God to ask you to speak at this year's fall retreat for women and teen girls. Relieved to have gotten that off her chest, she gave me kind of a skeptical smile. I'm sure that my long pause, repetitive blinking, and my blank face added to her apprehension as we stared at each other for what seemed like an hour. What I wanted to do was give her an immediate response of no, but she sat there looking at me, having just told me that she felt led by God. I couldn't open my mouth. I had never spoken at an event. I led youth classes, but that was different. Youth coming to a class was not as intimidating to me as a group of women. But there was a deeper reason. I knew that anyone coming to hear me speak would receive words that sprang from a heart of retaliation. You see, I was resentful with a select few of the church and school community members, and I had no desire to go to an event where some of those members might be. Also, I didn't believe that I should get up front and talk about anything godlike when I wouldn't even want to be in the same room. It would be inauthentic, and I would feel like a hypocrite. Oh, and there was another thing which is actually what I said out loud. I'm not a speaker. That came out of my mouth when all of those other reasons ran quietly through my brain. In her calm voice, my pastor smiled and said, I believe you are. And I hope that you're going to pray about this. Ugh. Just to get out of the room, I agreed to pray about it and get back to her in a few days. But to be honest, I had no intention of speaking and I didn't even pray about it. <laughs> Why would I? I already knew that God wants us to serve from our hearts. And my heart was full of bitterness. Even though I had already said no in my mind, and I didn't ask God for his input. I wrestled during those few days. God didn't make it a clear and easy no for me. He would remind me of my pastor's request to at least pray about it. <laughs> and I would quickly remind him, God, I can't stand it when people say that they've heard from you to get what they want. I don't have the time it takes to prepare. And I've never spoken up front, and that needs a lot of practice. But finally, I admitted the truth to him. God, why would I continue to pour my energy and time into a group that doesn't like me anyway? A few days passed, and I went back to see my pastor. I was going to let her know that I would not be speaking. Once again, she calmly told me that she really did feel led to ask me and that I still had a couple of weeks to think about it. <laughs> of course, she then asked if I would continue to pray. Well, now I was mad 
Why was she being so persistent? I told her no. I hadn't prayed about it, to be honest, and I had no intention to do it. I knew better. Here I was teaching youth classes about spiritual warfare and how it worked. Yet here I was going into certain battles without putting on my own armor. You've heard me say that God has a plan, but the enemy has a plot against it. The enemy's plot was strong. He was working overtime. And he even brought his best battalion into this battle. Hadn't I told my youth class that Satan never misses church, that he's the most regular attendee there has ever been, because Satan loves church and he loves church communities. I'm guessing that you can think of a time when he's used your church community to hurt you. Satan is there. He's at the front door to our church, waiting for you to enter. He orchestrates it so that if one person so much as looks at you in the wrong way, it can cause you into a spiral of self-doubt. He keeps people too busy to stop and welcome you, making you feel unimportant and unneeded. <laughs> and he directs that one person criticizing your worship style to sit in the front row while you lead. He's right in the middle of the gossip circles when members talk about each other. And he's right at the center of those who violate the trust that you have put in your community. And then he just slithers on out, leaving a trail of hurts that turn into resentment, righteous anger, and the desire for retaliation. What is his plot? <laughs> to keep us from using our gifts, from fellowshipping with one another, and from ever wanting to return to church. The enemy wants us to be isolated. He wants to isolate you, and he wants to isolate me, because that is when we are even more vulnerable, and that is when we will reach for those bitterness bricks and start building our walls. I had talked about this to my class of high school students in theory with a plastic smile as I added more bricks of bitterness to my ascending wall of defensiveness. Now, here in my pastor's office, she was again asking if I had prayed about her request. I bet you know the answer. Nope, I had not. The doors to all the offices were open and our lead pastor was in his office working. He could hear our conversation and he already knew what I was struggling with. She asked me, what kept me from speaking? I looked at her with a broken spirit. And I said, I don't have anything to say. From his office, our lead pastor spoke up. Ah, oh, yes. Now God can use you. This time 
I promised to pray about it. As I left the church, I felt different. Heaviness started to leave my chest. I didn't have anything to say, which meant that I didn't have anything to prove. God was working, stirring, wanting to break down the wall I had built. Why was my heart in such a hardened state? Second Chronicles 16.9 tells me why. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. You have been foolish in this matter. Therefore, you will have wars. I was being foolish. I was not wholeheartedly devoted to God. Instead, I focused so much time and effort on how I had been wronged that my devotion was wholeheartedly to me. My resentment and longing for retaliation had become an idol. I had assumed a role meant for God only. I wanted my kind of vengeance, not his. God was calling me out with love to resume my role in his plan so that I could get back into the proper relationship that he created for us. In his book, Unoffendable, Brant Hansen reminds me that anger is easy. It's actually our default, right? On the other hand, love is difficult. He states that love is a miracle. Brandt goes on to say that we humans are experts at casting ourselves as victims and rewriting narratives that put us in the center of injustices. We can repaint our anger or hatred of someone into a righteous looking work of art. I had made a considerable work of art to display on my wall. And now God wanted me to take it down. But I liked my artwork. In Jesus' teachings, though, there's no room for, well, my butt. But they are so mean. But they are unfair. But they are plain wrong. God wasn't telling me that I was wrong. He was asking me to let him handle the injustice and that he would right the wrongs. Love was going to take a miracle. And it meant that I had to lay my idols down. My idol of being right, my idol of resentment, and my idol to revenge. It would take a total surrender without my stipulations. The most challenging part, I would need to forgive. That also meant that I would need to deconstruct my self-righteous wall brick by brick and then use those bricks 
to build a bridge of relinquishment. James 1.20 states that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. My self-righteous wall kept the Holy Spirit from doing any kind of work through me. I was only letting others see what I wanted them to see. But in order for God to shine through me, I needed to break. That night, I surrendered. I didn't know what God would do with my resentment. But that is the point of surrender. I needed to trust him with my pain. I woke up around 1 a.m. I was not slightly awakened. I was ready for the day. And I felt this need to open my Bible. It was so powerful that I got out of bed and I went into the living room. Maybe you've heard people say, I just opened the Bible and it spoke to me and wondered if that really happens. Well, <laughs> that's exactly what happened to me. I opened the Bible to Proverbs 20, 22 through 23, where to this day, almost 15 years later, that ribbon remains. God said, don't say, I will avenge this evil. Wait on the Lord and he will rescue you. Differing weights are detestable to the Lord and dishonest scales are unfair. God saw my heart. He was showing me that I was placing my ability above his and honestly believing I needed to handle the dishonest scales. Only through my bowing and trusting in his righteousness was I able to release my self-righteousness. The situation didn't change immediately, but I got out of the way so the Holy Spirit could work. I started to recognize that most of the people weren't intentionally trying to hurt me. I began to realize that although I still felt like I don't have anything to say, God had plenty to say through me. Earlier, I read the verse 2 Chronicles 16.9 that told us the eyes of the Lord are looking through the whole earth so that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely devoted to him. My wall had prevented his support. My heart was not completely his to use. That early morning time with God has changed the course of my life and my ministry. As I relinquish my rights, I'm restored. I no longer needed the results I had once thought I deserved. Instead, I need the results God wants to give. He wants to give us a love for others. That will take us out of our comfort zone. I needed to ask God what his plan was and allow that to supersede my desire for vindication. As I released my rights to be bitter and I left those behind, I started writing 
and writing. And then finally, I did speak. And God has used my writing and my speaking to this day. I still claim Proverbs 20, 22 to 23, that God's vengeance is holy. He didn't want me to be mistreated. And he doesn't want you to be mistreated. I showed up in my pastor's office broken. But God was there ready and waiting to restore and redeem. Friends, have you built a wall? It might seem that it's there to protect you, but God doesn't force his way through our walls. Those walls that divide us keep us from seeing his children, our brothers and sisters on the other side. The walls also keep those same children, our brothers and sisters, from seeing God in us. I would love to challenge you to start taking the bricks out from the wall and using those same bricks to build a bridge. A bridge that will help our brothers and sisters cross over to the same grace that God gives you. I pray that in doing so, you will feel the release of any resentment and find joy in recovering a whole heart. And then find the freedom in feeling like, I don't have anything to say. And relying on what God does. Imagine shifting your focus off of the hard work of trying to prove yourself to the joyful life of knowing your worth. When you join my email list, you will get the free mini guide, One Simple Way to Know You Matter Today. It is my prayer that you'll be reminded daily of all the ways you matter more than you know. So head on over to sherryfletcher.com Click join Sherry at the top of the screen. Already a subscriber? Enter your info anyway to get the new mini guide and you will not get multiple emails. Did you know that you can help others start a spiritual game plan for their lives? When you leave a review and share this podcast, it helps me reach others. I do love hearing from you and I want to know how I can serve you in the best possible way. So be sure to subscribe to the emails and leave reviews. Thank you for tuning in to Your Spiritual Game Plan, the podcast. I'll see you next Tuesday.